We've been in a series for several uh, weeks entitled For His Glory. We're going through the book of Romans. And so uh, if you're kind of catching us uh, uh, in chapter 10, welcome. Uh, if you've been here, uh, it kind of will all tie together uh, today a little bit for you. So I'm excited. And, you know, I look around the room and uh, over the last, gosh, four months, there have been so many new folks uh, at our church. And so I'm just so excited to have you guys here as a staff. Let me just tell you, we're really excited about getting to know you guys and, and, and pouring into your life and helping you guys get connected. And so um, for all of our partners, uh, realize that there are a lot of new folks that are here. So make that extra effort to meet someone and reach out to them. Uh, a, lot of, a lot of great things taking place here. And, and uh, just, just kind of as a side note, uh, if you are looking for the perfect church, uh, let me just go ahead and insert this. We are not that church. Okay. <clears throat> We are not that church. In fact, that church doesn't exist. If you walk in here thinking, well, I don't think the pastor has it all together. He's not funny enough. Uh, I, I don't really you know, think he, he's you know, got the whole deal in line here. And so let me just go ahead and tell you, yeah, we know. <laughs> uh, let me just go ahead and tell you that if I haven't offended you, then it's possible that I will in the future. Not intentionally, but it, but it might happen. And if, and if it's not me, it's probably going to be people that are sitting around you that will potentially do that as well. And so kind of the posture of, of our church is a little bit different than most. Like we don't like treat this as a country club so that, you know, you come and all your rights and all your stuff and all this thing is, you know, kind of taken care. And, you know, because some people kind of come to church with that mentality, you know, well, they didn't greet me enough or they weren't friendly enough or nobody went out of the way to, to, to talk to me. And what do you mean you don't have a white chocolate mocha? Oh, you got coffee here? What kind of church is this, you know? It's like, you know, we, we, we had a park in the grass. What is, what is that? You know, why don't we have a front row? So, you know, we, we hope you have a great experience and we really go out of our way to help everybody have a great experience. But if you're looking for that perfect church and if you're looking for a country club type mentality, not here. Um, our posture here is, man, come and, come and grow with us. Come and, come and serve with us. Come and, and, and join this journey with us because we really believe God is doing something incredibly special here. Um, I was at a church that went from 1,500 people to 3,000 people in less than four years. And I promise you that the experience that we have been going through over the last couple years here uh, far supersedes that experience. And I think the reason is because the amount of life change and in, in the, in the amount of, of excitement uh, coupled with the amount of community involvement that we're kind of experiencing here. And, and so I'm, I'm, I'm incredibly, incredibly excited when I hear stories of life change. My passion for the church grows. My passion for the city grows. I know that's true for our, our elders and other staff. And so, man, just an incredible, incredible opportunity for us today. And so all this really ties into where we're at here in Romans chapter 10. Uh, if you were here for Romans 9, you, we talked about the doctrine of election and how uh, God is sovereign. And so uh, sometimes the mentality there, when you think through that, uh, and some people kind of take it a different way and in the wrong way, and they would say like, well, God is sovereign, so therefore we don't have to go you know, and share our faith. We don't have to you know, evangelize or tell people about Jesus. We don't need to go on mission trips. We don't need to do that at work and at home. There's no really reason for that because God's sovereign. He's going to choose and he's going to take care of whoever and whatever and they're going to get saved or whatever. And so it's no need for us. And I, I think Paul, as he's writing this, you know, God definitely is speaking to us here because the exact opposite is true. It is vital for you and I as believers to be able to share our faith and to be able to engage people with the gospel. And that's exactly where we find ourselves here. Uh, last week we read uh, the first uh, uh, 11 
12 verses of chapter 10. And, and we read that if you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. And so we, we looked at what salvation is and what that uh, means and, and, and how we really walk through that decision. And it really comes down to this, confessing with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believing in your heart that God raised Jesus from the dead. That's the first kind of step in that process. And so he continues here in verse 13. Let's just read verse 13. He says, For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. That's where we kind of ended last week. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. So it's not like there's a certain race or a certain you know, group of people in the world that if they call on the name of the Lord, that God is going to say, you know what? Sorry, not for you. Good effort, good try, but you, you don't enter. You don't, you don't get that. He says, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. And then verse 14. How then will they call on him in whom they've not believed, and how are they to believe in him of whom they have never heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? And how are they to preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. Let's, let's stop there and talk a little bit. Um, kind of like not a, not a mind-blowing kind of concept here, but people aren't going to believe in Jesus and, and make a decision to follow Jesus and, and accept Christ and enter heaven unless somebody tells them about this Jesus. I mean, that's kind of obvious, isn't it? I mean, how in the world are they going to believe if, if nobody has, has told them? And, and how are they going to believe if, if they've never even heard? And, and how are they going to hear unless someone preaches to them? And so it's obvious, kind of, in order for someone to accept Christ, it's not just going to magically happen in their life. They're going to wake up and be like, boom, man, I'm saved. Awesome. I know who Jesus is. It takes you and I sharing our faith. How are they going to believe unless we share? Now, obviously, you know, if you're a believer and you've been a believer for a while, it's like, yeah, man, we know that. It's, it's, it's good. We've, we've kind of... We kind of, I'm, I'm, I'm tracking with you there. But my question for you is, why is it that so many believers who claim the name of Jesus live as if telling other people about Jesus is not really their job? Why is it that so many Christians kind of live as if, you know, the, the paid professionals, the, the pastors are supposed to take care of that part of it? I just kind of do my deal. That's not really what I'm supposed to be doing. See, some of us live that way, and, and, and the gospel, you know, screams at us to share, share, share. The, the, the big idea today is that sent people share with people. So if you and I are sent, and we know that we are sent, if we are believers in Jesus, he sent us with the great commission to go and make disciples. And so if indeed we're a believer, we're sent, and because we're sent, we, we share. That's just our nature of, of who we are. Now, some of us love evangelism. We just don't like to do it. Some of us love to see it when people accept Christ, you know? It's like, oh, absolutely. I, people need Jesus, and I hope young people accept Christ, and I hope this. But they never actually participate in it. It's kind of like a sympathy thing, not really a, a compassionate thing. And, and, and so the, the idea, I kind of liken it to this. I mean, we have several animal shelters in our area. And we all know, if your kids are here, you might want to close their, their ears. I'll try to be, you know, kind of smooth about this. But listen, if they don't get adopted outside that humane society, then they got a few days and then it's over, right? It's like the end for them. And so we think about that and everybody in here who loves animals just went, oh, you know, you just kind of went, oh, gosh, I hate that. 
But how many of us are actually going to get in our car and go to a shelter today and adopt another pet? I mean, probably nobody. And the same concept kind of flows into this idea of, you know what? I know a lot of lost people. I know people that if they don't, they don't know Jesus and they, if they were to die, yeah, I know I believe the Bible. They're going to go to hell. But at the same time, I'm not going to go out of my way to share with them. Just like I'm not going to go out of my way to adopt another pet today. And I know kind of what's going to happen and that's sad and I wish that wasn't the case. But listen to me, we're not talking about animals here. We're talking about human lives. So, so the, the stakes are a lot higher. The stakes are much higher when we're talking about life and death. We are sent and sent people share with people. It is our nature. It is who we are. Now this is, this is what we find sometimes in church. Um, I hear people say, man... Dude, I just want to go deeper. I just want to go deeper with Jesus, man. I just, I just, want, to, I just want to go to the, you know, get rooted and just get into God's word and just be deeper. And let's just all go deeper, bro. Man, I just want to be deeper. You know, we've heard those people and it's like, here's, here's the deal. The deeper you go, the more mature you are. And mature people, as a result, begin to share with people, Right? And so if I am, in fact, deeper than I am sharing and inviting and investing in the lives of other people around me, and I would go so far as to say, there's no way you're deeper if you're not involved in the mission of God. I don't care how much you know about the Bible, man. You can go from Genesis to Revelation and quote and teach and talk about every doctrine taught in this book. But bro, if you are not involved in the mission of Jesus, then you are not deep at all. You see, we look at the church and and people say, you know what, church is just a bunch of hypocrites. And, you know, it's true. There, There are. But here's the reality. If there are mature Christians in this room, guess what they're doing? They're inviting people that aren't yet Christians, or at best, they're, they're baby Christians or young Christians just kind of figuring it out, just kind of, kind of doing that and kind of wrestling with that. So they're bringing them, and because that's what mature Christians do. So then what does the church have? We ought to be filled with a bunch of mature Christians, and we ought to be filled with a bunch of immature Christians slash we don't believe in Jesus yet. We're figuring it out. We're thinking through the whole thing. So then when the world looks at some folks in the church and they see these people that are coming but they don't believe in Jesus yet and they see people who are immature Christians doing immature things, naturally they're going to say, yeah, man, the church is a bunch of hypocrites. So I'm okay with that. If you're a hypocrite today, man, welcome. You're in a good place. You walk in today, your marriage is a train wreck. You are in a good place, bro. If you walk in and your finances are in shambles, you're in a great place. If you walk in and you don't know Jesus and you're just kind of, ah, I don't know, and I just want to kind of test it out, you are in an awesome place to ask questions, to figure it out, to grow a little bit. But here's, here's what I want to tell, tell you on this deal. Growing closer to Jesus, fixing marriages, fixing finances, it's not microwavable, you know? You don't pop in a bag of, you know, you don't pop in your marriage, you, you know, in the microwave and tap in three minutes and boom, after the service, man, we're, we're good now. It takes time. It's a process. It's a journey. So, man, I'm glad that you're here, and I want you to continue to be here and continue to press in and continue to to make that effort to be able to understand what God really, truly wants to do in your life today and even in this church. And so we see on and on. Okay, sent people share 
with people. Now, step one, and so we're kind of, let's back up all the way. We confess that Jesus is Lord, believe in our heart that God raised him from the dead. That's our salvation experience. Once that happens, the Bible says that we need to be baptized. And so baptism is, is a hang-up for a lot of people. And, and sadly, baptism kind of loses what Jesus really intended it to mean in the church. Um, and, and I'll explain it like this. So like, baptism back in the day, like pre-Jesus, pre-even John the Baptist, the word for baptism was, was baptizo. Can you, can you put that word up there? It's, it's the Greek word. And it simply means to immerse, to be dunked, to submerge. And so when you read um, old, old uh, text and old um, uh, Things that, that speak of uh, things like uh, ships and cargo ships and whatnot that are, are sunk for various reasons. Do we have that word at all? Or we just, I don't, I don't know. We can just look at that for a little bit longer. But <clears throat> so, so when, when the ancient Greek manuscripts talk about these, these ships that were sunken, they would say that they were baptizo. They were, they were sunk. So prior to... You know, John the Baptist and Jesus and all this, the word baptism was not a religious word at all. So it's been hijacked by Christianity and and the world now, religion today, because none of us really talk about baptism unless it's in a religious conversation, do we? I mean, you're not at the pool this week dunking your friends and like, bro, you just got baptized, man. We don't, we don't use that. It just doesn't work very well because that's just a religious word. But back then, first century, it wasn't a religious word at all. It, it, it was used sometimes in the Jewish sect when they would talk about a, a, a ceremonial washing and they would say, you know, you had to baptize and, and cleanse your hands and cleanse yourself uh, ceremonially. But by and large, it was just used. And so um, when things were sunk, when things were dipped, if I was going to wash dishes, I would dip them or dunk them under the water and they would use the word Baptizo. Then John comes along. We know him as John the Baptist. And so he's out, you know, and everybody, you know, sees what he's doing. He's preaching repentance and all this stuff. And, and then people start talking about this guy, John. He lives out in the, he lives out in the wilderness, man. He, he's, he's wearing camel skin. Have you seen that guy? It's kind of gross. But yeah, man, he's an awesome speaker. Have you heard him speak? I've heard him speak. He talks about repenting and he eats some gross things. But you know what? He's also like dunking people. He's baptizing people, you know, and they're like, really? Yeah, I know that guy. Yeah, John, he's the baptizer guy. And then on and on, as people talk, he became known as John the baptizer. So it's not like he was born and his mom said, you shall be called John the Baptist. It's like, no, that just kind of was a nickname for him, John the baptizer. And so fast forward 2,000 years, now baptism is this religious word. But when we go back to what it actually meant, it means to be submerged, to be immersed, to be dunked. Now some of you grew up in a church where they sprinkled and where they do that. We don't want to take anything away from what your parents intended to show or intended, you know, to make special in their life and in your life. But in reality, what their heart was, was that at that moment that you would give your life to Jesus and that you would be a child of God. So, so if you were sprinkled, we would say, you know what, let's do it the way that we believe the Bible teaches. And that would be to, to be submerged, to, to follow Jesus in baptism by immersion. So that follows our decision, and that's our way of making our decision public. That's the first way that we take, you know, being a sent person to share with people that, hey, I'm a believer in Jesus. I have accepted him into my life, and I am following him, and I'm going to tell everybody how. By my baptism, I'm showing everyone. Um, Thirteen years ago, I said two words that changed my life forever. Anybody want to take a guess? I do, yes. 
I said I do 13 years ago. We just celebrated this past July. Um, changed my life forever, man. I'm telling you. Yeah, it's like one person. Thank you. It's <laughs> oh, awesome. Thank you. I'm going to take you to dinner, whoever that was. <clears throat> Nobody else thinks 13 years is important anymore. So <laughs> I didn't do that for an applause. Anyway, so it changed my life forever. When I said I do, I, I really didn't know what I was saying. I don't know if you did, but I said I do because I, I, I love my wife and I wanted to be with her. But I, I've spent the last 13 years and I'll spend, the rest, I'll spend the rest of my life figuring out the implications of what I do really means. But at that moment, I loved her and, and, and now I'm on this journey of figuring it out, right? That's kind of how it is. Well, when we say I do to Jesus and we accept him into our life, I did that as a teenager. And at that moment, I, I received him into my life. And from that moment until now and for the rest of my life, I'm figuring out the implications of what that means. But when I accepted Jesus into my life, I, I followed him in baptism as a symbol of the inward commitment that I made in my heart. Just as when I said I do to my wife, Micah, I, I put a ring on my finger as a symbol of the inward commitment that I have for her. And so in many ways, baptism is that, that outward symbol of the inward commitment that you and I make to Jesus. And so when we read in Romans chapter 6, if you were with us, I want to put this up on the screen. Oh, there's the word. Good to see you. Let's go to the next one. Romans 6, 4. It says this. That we were buried, therefore, with him by baptism into death. In order that, just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. So what, what is happening here when we are baptized is we're identifying with the death and burial of Jesus. As Jesus died and was buried... So too, when we are baptized, we are taken under the water. We are sunk. We are baptizoed under the water, symbolizing the death of Trent, symbolizing that I am identifying myself with the death of Jesus. And then as I am raised up out of the water, I am symbolizing with the resurrection of Jesus and his glorious resurrection that, that death could not hold him. And so as I come up out of the water, it is that symbolism that I am a new creation. I'm identifying with the resurrection of Jesus. The old Trent is dead. The new Trent is here. And listen, listen, I don't have it all figured out yet. And when I first accepted Jesus, man, I was far from figuring it all out. But I knew one thing. I knew that Jesus was the lover of my soul. I knew that he died on the cross for my sins. And I believed in him and I followed him. And from that point on, I am figuring him out and growing closer to him. So some of you, like, man, I would be baptized, but I don't get that whole Romans 9 thing. I would follow him, but I don't know about all this. And Listen, man, if you have accepted Jesus, then the next step for you is to follow him in baptism. So we move on. <clears throat> he says the point here, as we think through, how are they going to hear unless somebody preaches? How, how are they going to believe unless somebody teaches them about who Jesus is and what he has done. And so the, the point is obvious for us that sent people share with people. And he says, how can people hear unless someone preaches to them? So I know what a lot of people are thinking. A lot of people are thinking, you know, <clears throat> I'm not a preacher, Trent. You are. I read it right there. How, how beautiful the feet of those who preach the good news. 
You're the preacher. Well, let's do another Greek study. You ready? Maybe we'll get it up there this time. Caruso is the word that he used here. It means uh, to be a herald. There you go. To be a herald. To proclaim a message openly with the authority of the king. So again, you say the word preach in our society, and boom, everybody's thinking church on some level. People think church. At this time in the first century, when he uses the word Caruso, this meant a herald. So if a king had a message to share with the community or with another group of people, he would share his message with the herald, and he would send the herald out, and the herald would go and say, here's the message. He would proclaim it openly with the authority of the king or even a government official, if it was in Rome, uh, uh, saying this is his message to you. And so we're called to be a herald, a, a caruso. And so when we look at this and we think, well, you're the paid guy, Trent, so you've got to preach. You know, you've got to do this because that, that's you. No, 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 no. Listen, listen, listen. To preach means you're a herald. You and I are all called to herald the message of Jesus openly. Isn't that awesome? Isn't that awesome that you are called to preach. Now, preaching, when we think of preaching, it is what I'm doing right now. You know, like everybody sits, everybody listens. Usually there's three points. They all kind of start with the same letter, and then I have a poem and get teary-eyed, and then we, 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 we sing and we go home. But so preaching is not this, so to speak. It's basically proclaiming a message openly. So let me ask you, what message are you proclaiming? Now, I love sports. You guys know that. I'm a sports fanatic, but, but I'm just going to go here just for a minute. Some of us are very open about proclaiming a message that relates to football. Some of us are very open about sharing a message about whatever hobby it is that you love. So we just have to be honest with ourselves. Think about the humane society a little bit. How involved in the mission of Jesus do you want to be? You're called to be. You're called to Caruso, to be the herald of this message that you know. So that's why it's important for you to understand what your testimony is, to learn how to share that. It's important for you to take advantage of the relationships that you have in your life, to invite people to come to church, to invite people to join your small group, to invite people into a relationship with Jesus. It's important to proclaim openly what is going on in this church and, and what God is doing in your life. And, and listen, it doesn't mean that you have to clean up your act completely and everything has to be perfect in order for you to do this. The greatest message is the honest message that says Jesus, in fact, can change your life. He is in the process of changing my life. And bro, I'm not there yet, but I want it to be there. And I know you would benefit from it, man. This is something that you would die for. That's our message. We proclaim that openly. He goes on. He says this. And how, verse 15 and how are they to preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach good news. How beautiful are the feet of those who bring, preach good news. Now, how many of you would say that feet gross you out? Feet are grossing you out. Even the word that I say, when I say feet, it's like, ugh, you just don't like it. All right, so, <clears throat> so here's the deal. We're talking about biblical feet here, Okay. So, so some of you, when we, when we say feet, it's like the hairy feet gross you out, you know? Gross feet gross you out. You're married to somebody, you can't stand to look at their feet, you know? You look at their feet and it's like, you know, funky corn chip growing out of the side. It's like, man, it's like I don't get that at all. 
If you were to go get a pedicure today, they'd have to bust out the chainsaw, you know, bore through that sucker. Hey, feet can be gross, you know, we get that. Some of you take good care of your feet. You go get pedicures regularly. You're all painted up today. You're wearing flip-flops, showing them off. You know, you love it and, and, and good for you. But here's what we're saying here. A, a biblical foot has nothing to do with appearance. He's, what he's relating to is in Isaiah chapter 52, he's, he's kind of using an Old Testament passage that says very much the same thing, that how, how beautiful are the feet of those that that preach the good news. So it's not an outward appearance that he's saying. What he's saying is your feet are beautiful because you have taken this message to someone. So you've cared enough, you've shared enough to take this life transforming message to someone. And he says, now those are beautiful feet. So if your wife or somebody's on you about messing your feet, you know, you need help with your feet, man. You need to go get them fixed. Say, bro, I got biblical feet, man. I don't need no pedicure. I don't need no pain. I, I'm going for the biblical foot, you know. And so, so his idea here is how beautiful they are when we carry and share this message. It's beautiful. It's awesome. And, and he says he, he's calling us to do that, every one of us on some level. That's why the people that we work with, that's why the people in our family, that's why the people in our neighborhood, these are all opportunities for us to engage them and share this life-transforming message. Um, we've been asking for several weeks now uh, to share a story, um, emailing us stories about how you came to Foothills Church if somebody invited you. And so I was going to share one of them today and, and not use names or anything, but um, this one touched me. It was, it, it, it's really good. So I'm going to read this. Here's what the email said. I moved to Maryville one year ago, June 1st. The woman who moved here was not someone I liked. She's talking about herself. She was broken, angry, and scared. My friend attended Foothills and invited me to join them. I thought, this is a good, good idea, a big church where I can come and hide. <laughs> no one will need to know about my past. I mean, I was ashamed of where I had been. I was raised in a Christian home, But at the age of 34, here I was, a single mother of two, divorced twice with a long line of addiction and abuse in my past. I knew I was saved, but did not feel worthy of Christian friends or church family. After a couple months of attending, I was invited to attend a small group. At first, I was extremely uncomfortable, but they did not push and quickly provided care for my children, one of which is autistic, and they just started sharing with me very openly their own stories. Very quickly, these people became a huge part of my support network. They've shared my sorrows and celebrated with me in great blessings that God has given to me since I've been here. Now I serve in the preschool ministry here at Foothills Church, and, I'm, and I may not be front and center in the limelight, but I'm not hiding. My favorite part. Foothills Church has been instrumental in the healing process and in showing me that God is enough. And yes, he has great things for me, but the greatest of those is his love, which never fails, never gives up, and never runs out on me. And how beautiful are the, are the people that invited you to a place like this? How beautiful is a mom and dad that raised you in an environment where Jesus was spoke of much? How beautiful is the person that shared with you 
the gospel message of Jesus Christ. I mean, you could not repay them enough for sharing with you, for raising you a certain way, for inviting you into an environment like this where you were connected. Now, now here's what he's saying. He's saying that all of us are sent, and because we're sent, we're called to share how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. Let's continue. Verse 17, he says, So faith comes from hearing, and hearing through the word of Christ. So, oh, let's back up. Let's back up. Sorry, verse 16. I skipped one. He says, But they have not all obeyed the gospel. For Isaiah says, The Lord who has believed what he has heard from us. So faith comes from hearing and hearing through the word of Christ. So he says, They've not all, they've not all obeyed the gospel. Here was a frustrating thing when I first, I guess, went into ministry. I would I would teach, I would share one-on-one with somebody, and then they wouldn't accept Jesus. Or I would invite them to church, and they would flat out say, no thanks, or whatever. And then I would kind of take that personally, you know, especially if I was the pastor. It's like, hey, you want to go to church? No. Oh, okay. You know, a little bit personal for me. but And so I kind of struggled with that. And not only that, but when I, you know, felt like I explained the gospel, and then I would say, you know what, Are you, would you like to receive Christ? And, and, and many of them would say, No. And I would, I would kind of say, maybe I didn't, I didn't pray enough, or maybe I didn't share, you know, well enough. Maybe I didn't get it out the way I really wanted it to, to come out. And so, you know, I kind of took that personally, and I kind of beat myself up a little bit on that. But then passages like this, you know, really helped me that not, not everybody's going to accept the gospel. Not everybody's going to receive the gospel. And so in Camp 2, we teach this, that there's God's part, there's their part, and then there's my part. So God's part is to convict. God's part is to draw. God's part is to, you know, open their eyes spiritually. Their part is to respond. Their part is to, you know, be able to be open to receive this new teaching. And then there's my part. And my part is simply to share. And so, so I don't want to cross the lines and, and pretend like I'm God and say, you know what, I didn't share well enough or it didn't work out because I didn't do something right. Because the reality is God is doing his part. He's going to do his part. I can't do his part. I can't save anybody. And then the other side of that is I can't control what people do and I can't control how people behave and how they respond. And so I just have to, you know, live in my part. And my part is to share. And so now I'll preach, I'll invite, I'll share, I'll talk to the wall about Jesus. And if they say no, you know what, that's on you. If they say yes, that's on God. You know, it's not on me if somebody says yes, so I'm not going to take the credit. And I'm definitely not going to take the credit if they, they say no, because it's not me. It's all his work and their response. My part is simply to share. So, so I say that to encourage you not to let I don't know enough or I'm not good enough or I can't explain it well enough in order to invite somebody to church or in order to share the gospel with somebody. You simply share your story. We have a whole series of information in the cafe to help you walk through your story. It's called Share Your Story. It's a really creative title. And so you can get that in the cafe. So sharing because we're sin. And then he closes. He says, faith comes from hearing. Hearing what? The word of Christ. The word of Christ. You see, the Great Commission, it says this. Jesus says to go into all the world and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything that I have commanded you. And so the, the, the idea here is that we are sent 
And as we are, are going, we're making disciples. He doesn't say, come on Sunday morning and make disciples, or Tuesday night visitation if you grew up in that kind of church. He says, literally, the Greek means when he says, go into all the world, it means as you are going into the world, make disciples. So let me tell you how this plays out for me. As I am, am, am going, um, my kids are involved in sports. Um, they play soccer, they play uh, basketball, they play almost everything, gymnastics. And so what that does for me is that puts me into environments where I'm around other parents. And so as I'm around other parents, then I'm, I'm, I'm allowed and, and I am, you know, in this position where I can share with them and I can invest in them and I can invite them and I can, I can talk to them about God. Um, I'm also a part of a gym. Now, I work with pastors all the time. So I'm around Christians all the time. So I've got to put myself out there. So I've got a gym membership. You may not be able to tell. But uh, I, you know, I don't go as much as I would want to. And my hope is not that you know, I want to get swole. You know? I lost that dream a long time ago. That's not my, my hope. That kind of went crashing down once I got married. Uh, I was like, all right, I guess I'm done. So I don't go there for that. I, I go there to be around people that don't know Jesus. I go there to be around people who you know, may know a little bit about God, but they're not connected to a church. I go there to be able to share with people. And so how that practically works out for me is the same way that it practically works out for you. As you are going to work and to the gym and to the soccer field and to wherever else your life takes you, you go and make disciples. You see, this is God's game plan. That you and I, this is, you know what, just as God is sovereign in salvation, he's sovereign in the means of salvation, which means we are saved. We come to know Jesus by the teaching of his word. And so he is sovereign over that, which means he's in control. And this is his game plan. This is how he has set it into motion to be. Not to magically sprinkle, you know, fairy dust over everybody to save them, but to send you, to send me into the world to share the gospel. This is his game plan to go and make disciples. The way that we do that here at Fiddles Church is in relational environments. We, we stress relationship because Jesus did. He was in relationship with 12 guys his entire life and, and, and uh, entire ministry. And even in those relationships, he had three guys that he specifically poured into even more than the others. And so we see that modeled by Jesus. And so we just want to follow that model. He's a pretty good model. I think we'll follow him. Over the next several weeks, we're going to start um, a series. It's, we're, not, we're still preaching through Romans, but this is, is more of a theme. And the theme is game plan. It's going to start next week, and I'm telling you, if you're ever going to miss a Sunday, don't let it be next Sunday. Uh, it's going to be a lot of fun, and we're going to begin to unpack what is game plan. But in a nutshell, game plan is God's game plan for Foothills Church. So over the next several weeks, we're going to be sharing uh, ideas, vision, dreams of, of ways that, and, and things that we think God is leading us as a church, ways that we're going to do ministry in this community and, and even overseas, how we're going to do some things with the building, but, but by and large, how we're going to make disciples in relational environments. Is God's game plan right here. All we've got to do is stay close to it and follow it. Lastly, so here's what we're going to do. So we've been talking a lot about feet today. Um, so I want everybody to, I would like for everybody to get a gift today. But remember, God is sovereign. So God is, is choosing who's going to get a gift this morning. There are three gifts. Everybody look under your chair real quick. See if there's a gift there. If there's an empty chair beside you, 
then, then look under, under that chair because there are three gifts. If you've got that, it's, it's duct taped up there. <laughs> so lift, let me see if you guys, you might have to really do a big yank on that thing. So <clears throat> there's a lot of movement in the church. The spirit is moving. <laughs> People want something free, man. All right, I know where they're at. So if, if, I have, if you got it, hold it up. Let me see that you got it. Okay, see it, see it. There's one more, see it, okay. All right, so here's the thing. You guys were, were the chosen few. So here's what my challenge is for you. That's a gift card for a pedicure, a really nice one, okay? It's a really nice one. So, so here's the challenge, though. Um, instead of using it on yourself, uh, since we're talking about all the share stuff today, we're gonna share that with somebody. And so I wanna encourage you uh, to share that. I know school just started, Um, And so if you've got a son or daughter that just started school, I want you to share that gift card with your son or daughter's teacher. And just write a quick note that says, hey, my name's so-and-so. Myself and Foothills Church are praying for you all year. God loves you. He's got a plan for your life. Let me know if you need anything. Put your name and give it to him. Isn't that awesome? That'd be great. Now now listen, see the rest of you, same is true for you, but you got to go buy your own. (laughs) Seriously, that's the challenge. Go in with some people in the class, buy a gift card, give it to your teacher, your, your, your kid's teacher. Tell them, you, you know, uh, you're praying, praying for them. God loves them. God has a plan for them. And to let you know if they need anything all year. If your kids are out of school and, you, and they're not in school anymore, maybe somebody in your small group, you can do that too. Maybe you'll do a principal locally, or maybe there's somebody at work that you know is not connected uh, to a church anywhere. So I, I would guess there's, there's almost 400 people in this room this morning. Uh, wouldn't it be awesome if all 400 of us shared a small gift card. I'm not talking like, now yours is a good one, the guys that you got. But I'm not talking like a $100 gift card. I'm just talking something small, 5, 10, 20, I I don't know, whatever. But give that and practice sharing with somebody. Kind of put yourself out there. I'm a believer. I'm one of the weird ones, man. I love Jesus, and I just want you to know that I am a Jesus freak. I'm following him, and I love him. And at Foothills Church, we're all freaks for Jesus. And so we just want to put that out there. And if you need anything, let me know. All right? Yeah. I think that would begin to open some of you up to some areas of your life you've been afraid of. So the challenge is, and so next week when you come in, you're like, oh, hey, how you doing? How was your week? Then everybody holds each other accountable. Okay. Hey, did you send a gift card this week? Uh, okay. So that's kind of accountability built in right there. Um, here's the last thing we're going to do. Um, as we close and wrap this up, we're going to take the Lord's Supper this morning. And, and uh, as always, this time is a special time. If, if our guys want to go ahead and get ready. The Bible teaches us that as we take the Lord's Supper, we want to uh, spend a moment reflecting upon our lives. And what a great way to reflect on our lives is when we talk about being sent into the world. Because I get it. I know where many of you are at. I'm not sharing that much. I'm kind of nervous. Right here, right now, let's spend some time with God, reflecting on who He is, what He's done repenting of some sin in our life, and then praying for and, 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 and seeking Him as we seek to share with others the gospel and life-changing message of Jesus Christ. Guys, come forward. Let's pray. Father, thank you for who you are. Thank you for your love. Thank you for the cross. As we think about your love, the death that you paid for us in our place, we remember it today. We take the bread 
that symbolizes your broken body. We drink the juice that symbolizes the blood that was spilled out for us. And we take that remembering the sacrifice that you have paid for us and we celebrate it today that you are not dead. You are in fact alive and well and you're alive and well in our heart and in our church. And we want to serve you today. In Jesus' name, amen.